Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have my good friend, Rahul Alim. He is the founder of Custom Creatives Digital Marketing Agency. He has done all kinds of cool things, worked for Realtor.com, did all kinds of cool things like that. So Rahul, thank you for being here, man. I'm excited to chat with you, learn some more uh, marketing strategies that loan officers can learn, uh, but also learn a little bit about you, man. Learn a little bit about your background and uh, you know what kind of got you to where you are today, man. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You want me to give a little bit of background? Yeah, absolutely, man. Let, let, you know, give, us, uh, cool. give us some context on who uh, Rahul is. <laughs> okay, cool. So I'll give a professional background. You guys can Google me for a personal background, but uh, I used to work at a company called Realtor.com. I'm sure all you guys heard of it. And I worked there for almost two years, left the company, and then became their digital marketing agency. Through that relationship, got to work with, I don't know, over 40,000 different real estate agents all over the country, top dogs to the beginning of the barrel, right? And then through that, we inherently worked with lots of lenders, lots of title companies. So we got to learn the ins and outs, the intricacies of all these different businesses, the challenges, the tribulations, and what works and doesn't work as it relates to operations and digital marketing specifically. So that's kind of my professional background. And then fast forward 18, maybe 19 years since 2004 to now we've been operating custom creatives marketing agency. Love it, man. Love it. So, uh, you know, you know a little bit about marketing, you know, maybe, you know, here or there. Uh, I'm just kidding, but uh, just a little bit, but awesome, man. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it was, it was probably, one of the things I like to talk about a little bit is the, I don't know, the come up, right? Like, I mean, you've kind of gone through that whole process. Like what did that kind of look like in terms of, uh, you know, time and then just, just like, you know, was it always easy or was there, you know, struggles along the road, man? There's always going to be struggles and there's different struggles when you're trying because there's struggles that I don't accept, which is having the same problem over and over and over. And then it's the new year. Um, So we were pretty much hustlers, like hardcore callers, do what it takes type people. Um, We blended old school with new school. We'll pound the phones, we'll pound the emails, we'll do our follow ups. But we're also going to leverage tools that are available to us, like the Internet, Google, video, telephones. Like, I mean, our phones right here, our phones are literally what our video cameras are, what people indulge in. So, um, yeah, there's definitely trials and tribulations growing the agency, but also trials and tribulations and challenges like dealing with like real estate agents and even lenders, because they're so accustomed to old school stuff, even though they know technology, right? It's probably one of the most advanced way, like industries in the world, but not so advanced when you're actually the realtor, the lender, right? Because like realtor.com, we sold, like you were basically promoting homes on the internet. That was like the biggest purchase in the world. Loans, you get approved on the internet. Why not go to the internet when all the people are on the internet, spend all that budget there? That's what we kind of used and leveraged. And I mean, that's probably been the biggest challenge. Like one of the, one of the, I remember back in 2004 when I had to walk somebody through what a paperclip meant on an email. And I'm like, that's like how you attach stuff. And then fast forward to 2023 now, people still have AOL emails. Right. It's like we need to innovate slightly. I know that changing your email to like a Gmail or proper domains, not really innovation, but that just shows that the education of what's available to them and how much simpler life could be 
And that gap is still just so astonishingly, astonishingly far away. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably see that all the time too. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's a, um, I mean, you know, the mortgage and real estate industries, you know, a lot of times seems to uh, to be a little bit behind in terms of, you know, innovations, things like that. I mean, a lot of the big lenders are still running on what I feel like are, you know, LOS and POS systems that are archaic, right? That barely work. And so it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that some of the biggest, you know, revenue generating companies in the world are, you know, very behind on this. And I, and I get it because there is a massive cost to implement new technology across these big companies. But as an individual originator, you're able to be a little bit more sort of, I don't know, flexible or nimble when it comes to technology. And so I think there's so many tools and we can talk about all kinds of different things, but there's so many tools, especially in, you know, in 2023. I mean, we're, we're just on kind of like the last couple of weeks, like chat GPT is kind of in, in the headlines and like diving into just AI and how you can use AI to create more content, how you can use you know, social media to grow your, your, your presence. If you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't d- dove into, you know, social media, if you haven't started, you know, creating TikToks, reels, shorts, things like that, you're, you're going to ultimately get left behind. It might not be this year, maybe next year, the year after, but there is so many things that are coming and it's, and it's hard not to get shiny object syndrome. So like how, like, I guess, you know, something, something that I can ask you is how can an originator like not get lost or even a real estate agent, if it was something like this, how can they not get lost in the amount of technology and things that are out there? Because again, I mean, like we just mentioned, there's three or four different things that they can do just in the last couple of seconds. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a matter of optimizing the time and prioritizing the reach of what you want in your life in the first place. Right. So if, if I were to give a recommendation broadly to anybody, the number one thing is something you already said. What do people want? They want to be educated. They want to have a relationship with you. What's the best way? Are you going to talk to them when you're not available and do that same conversation over and over? No, create videos, short little one minute videos, two minute videos, maybe a 10 minute video about your seller presentation. You never know who's going to stumble it upon it like at any point in time. One of my big goals, like three or four, maybe like five years ago, I don't remember the time frame. was I'm sick and tired of talking and saying the same shit over and over and over again. So I recorded everything. Not only did I, so I can, so I can onboard new staff and new contractors and new people on my own team, but they can also watch that information over and over without asking me questions and study the material, but also to influence my audience. So everything that Luke and, and I, and anybody that's been around for a long time that, that knows the digital game, we're going to make recommendations based off our firsthand experiences, not based off what somebody else says, if Gary V says something and I repeat it and I don't do it, it's not valid. I'm just, I'm a faker. I'm not, I'm not a money maker. Right. So, so everything I would focus on is going to be infusing content into your audience. You have a small farm area for most of you. It's going to be maybe like five true mile radius around you, not the 50 you may think it is. And you can really impact your whole entire community by taking videos, popping them on your, on your social, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, local Facebook groups, maybe local school, elementary school groups with moms and bloggers. And then fast forward three months, six months, one year, you are the authority. And best of all, this lives on the internet forever until you delete right. it. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that's huge to say, man, because like, you know, it's one of the things that I'm diving into is a lot more 
Uh, I mean, I've done a lot of video content for ads and things like that, but when it comes to just specific content for YouTube or TikToks and Reels, I mean, I've, I've started it, I've dove into it over the last couple months, but it still is not quite there. But I, I've seen the power. Like, I mean, I posted a a reel the other day, uh, just talking head reel, and I think I got about forty five hundred views. If I posted that Sheesh. same video just on my Facebook, like like as like a post, that probably would have got maybe three to five hundred max views, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the power of leveraging the up and coming. I mean, you know, we talk about, we were last, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, we were talking about clubhouse, right? Everybody was jumping on clubhouse, right? So, you know, there's, there's, I think there's part of it is discernment, right? Like understanding, like what are the trends and, and trying to see the trends that are going to stick around and trying to get in front of those trends. Because, you know, if you've been part of this, the the platform, you know, let's just talk about Facebook. If you've been part of this platform, Facebook, there's you know, a couple of years back, it was Facebook lives. Then it was like Facebook groups. And, you know, now it's reels. They're really pushing reels, but they were pushing just videos for a long time on like the, on the profiles, but now it's reels, Instagram reels, Facebook reels. And obviously because they're trying to compete with TikTok, who's taking a lot of that attention away from them. And so I think there is a piece that is discernment. And, and, and as you mentioned, Rahul, it's, it's also hard because you have Gary Vee out there talking about putting out, you know, 30 pieces of content a day. And I actually was at a, an origination, a, a AIM conference where Gary Vee literally said that to, to loan officers, they need to be putting out this amount of content on every single platform. And I just laughed because I'm like, none of these people are ever going to be consistent enough for, first of all, they don't have three people on their team that's putting out full-time content. So there's no way they're ever going to do that Two, Like they might do that for a week and then fall off because it's like way too far. How, how do you suggest people start this process of like, you know, just starting to put out content? Like, is it a daily thing? Is it a weekly thing? Is it like, you know, what, what's kind of your, your thoughts there? Mine is just consistency. I don't really demand a quantity, but I also go back to what's your goal and priority and look at that goal on the wall. Because if your goal is to make more money and you have free time, like gaps of an hour or two hour waiting for soccer practice for your kids or dropping them off, and you have those micro moments, those are content moments. You can document, not create. You can actually talk about dropping my kid off at school. And then I decided to talk about how amazing this blue ribbon school is in Thousand Oaks, California. You can really have on-demand content and literally post it and saying, if you need help with exploring this territory or this neighborhood, let me know. So, I mean, it could be that simple, but as far as getting it out there, the first step I always tell people who have never done it or are uncomfortable with it is you need to adapt is number one. So you got to get uncomfortable. We all know that, but then just do a video and the, the hardest thing or the easiest thing in the world is not publishing it. Just hit record, get used to it. You'll mumble, you'll stumble, but just like every skill, it takes, it takes a little practice. It's a muscle that you're going to create and then you can become addicted to it. So when, then when you become addicted, then you can start to actually plan ahead. You can get a content calendar and just literally a Google sheet. That's all you need. Topic one, topic two, topic three. And every topic you come up with, you're going to literally be able to do granular topics underneath it, like little cousin topics. Because if I want to talk about the whole city of like, I live in Westlake Village, California. Now I can talk about first neighborhood in Westlake Village, California. Then I can talk about the Knowles community, which has 300 units in Cal- in Westlake Village, California. So then I can get micro, micro, micro. When people start to see that, they go from like, okay, I know they're this little Westlake Village person, but then they know each territory. Then they know each street. Then they know the principals. Then they know the restaurant owners. Then they know everything. But guess what? That doesn't take me very long because I already know that information. I'm just not telling people I know that. So what I'm doing by not publishing information is aside from hurting my income and my own family is I'm not divulging that to the public that I am the authority. 
they're going to obviously go with someone else. So that's why I think content's so important. But as far as should you do it daily or should you batch create? Batch just means do it in like bulk, like do multiple in a piece in a day. Choose whatever your style is. I'm both. Like sometimes I have an idea. I'm going right to the camera. I'm publishing that. Sometimes I'm lazy and I don't want to do it today. I'm not feeling my best. Um, I don't make excuses about like not shaving or I need to lose my some weight or get an haircut because nobody cares about that. But if I'm not feeling it, yeah, if I'm not feeling it, I won't do it. But then I make sure that every single day I'm posting something and all I'm doing is copying and pasting, maybe changing the headline slightly. Very rarely do I do that. And I'll go to Facebook, real post, Instagram, real post, my page, real post, LinkedIn, for whatever reason, I just post there to be present. I don't get much traffic there, but it just helps because all I know is that one person gets impacted by one of these posts. I'm thinking my lifetime value of that customer, but not only how much can they pay me, how much can I make them? With you guys right. in real estate and loans, you have so much money that you guys can be making, but think about if you guys have a great product, great service, you believe in yourself, you believe in the company, you believe in everything you do, this will help you have that confidence to be able to help people because we all know they can use somebody worse. There's shitty realtors out there. There's shitty lenders out there. They're just in it for themselves. Just get the deal done because they're uneducated or just pocket rich. If you have a good product, put it out there so you can stand out because your competition's well, really not. Oh, and the other thing, the other thing to talk about too is, is I mean, as loan officers and, and real estate agents, right? Like, you're create you're literally creating wealth, right? I think that's something that that loan originators and real estate agents maybe gloss over. They don't think about it a lot of times. I know there's there's some good ones out there that are that are thinking about that, but like you're you're legit, legitimately like one of the only industries, I think the only industry in the in the nation that is like you're literally changing people's trajectory of their lives. You're changing completely. Like you're taking people out of the ghetto and, and completely putting them into a, a better situation. You're changing entire entire uh, generations of families because like, you know, someone owns a home they're I think 40, 40 times, or they're on average 40 times more wealthy than a renter. Right. So you're literally creating wealth by doing this, but that comes down to, okay, well, like, yeah, like, are, are you going to let the rocket mortgages of the world, you know, put two points in the, put two points into uh, every single deal. Right. And origination fees and all kinds of crazy things like that. Or are you going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get in front of as many people as possible so that I can serve mm -hmm. them because I do believe in myself and the product and the things that I offer. And I do believe I'm the best fit for them. So I think that's the other thing too, is, is there's, and we can talk about this here now because it's another thing is sales, right? So many times people have this such negative view of sales. I hear people all the time talk about, Hey, I'm an advisor. I'm not a salesperson. I, you know, and it's just like, dude, like you are a salesperson and being a salesperson is not a bad thing. Being a salesperson is a great thing. Now, historically, or not even historically, but whatever the stigma that salespeople have is that they're these slimy people that just hard close people and they're gonna, you know, use the the Grant Cardone's uh, whatever closer survival guide to have 40 different objection handlers for every single objection, right? Like that's just not what most sales is. Um, and so I wanna hear your thoughts on on sales, on on what that looks like in terms of like, you know, have and being an ethical salesperson at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, if we're forcing and product pushing and, and like slamming people around, yeah, we may be able to sell people into a product that they possibly don't need. And then you have a short time lifespan in sales. But if somebody I look at it, if, if I go to somebody or they're coming to me, we're just exploring how we can help. If someone comes to me, it's my duty to be able to serve them because I know the alternative, their life could get worse. They may not make the move at the right time, 
or if they use the wrong person, there's nothing more expensive than using the wrong person or taking the wrong advice. So I look at it as it's my it's my job to serve. I don't look at sales as a, as a bad thing because, in fact, if you're not a salesperson, you actually don't breathe. You're dead. They're, every human is a salesperson. You're selling and persuading something. So that's it's the number one most highly income job in the entire world is the art of persuasion and sales. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you're a neurosurgeon or a lender or, or a realtor, we're, we're selling something. Um, we just have to believe in the product and do what's right by the customer and then right. let them see how we can help them. Because like I've had real estate agents say like, and I, I I hate myself for not listening to the realtor and listening to the noise out in the world or just making worse, making my own assessment by not being on the insider track of being in real estate every single day. There's a home to my left, right up this hill. I can see the corner house up there. Realtor told me buy that thing for $800,000. You're getting a deal. I was listening to the noise. We're at the top of the market. Let's not do it. That home is now worth 1.4. It's only been five years. I'm pissed. And listen to the realtor took the wrong advice, right? So that realtor is now on my heart because now they now I realize they have my best interest. Grab that thing before it spills everywhere. <laughs> now, now, now I got to address that because I just dropped my big, huge, one hundred and twenty-eight ounce water bottle on the ground. So if you hear that big bang in the background, that was uh, that was definitely me. So I apologize, Raul, as as you're telling your story, I'm over here dropping a big old water bottle. But hey, you know what? That scared people uh, to to start listening or something, right? <laughs> Wake them up, <laughs> man, for sure. No, and I, and I and I think that's that's huge. I think there's like like I said, man. There's there's this misconception about sales that I, I don't think it's true, or I don't think it's a true vision uh, or perspective on what true sales is, right? Like I really. I probably had the same connotation. I have always kind of said, "Oh well, you know, I don't want to be a salesperson." It's funny that like pretty much every job that I've had out of college was sales in some in some regard. And it's funny because I always told myself I wouldn't do sales, and yet here I am, you know, fifteen years later, whatever, right. twelve years later. And, and it's it's a perspective too, and it's also it's also how the person is the salesperson is because if they're going to cause resistance out the gate then obviously you're going to bring those memories back. But like, Oh, this person doesn't care about me because people right. don't want to be, they don't want to be sold yet. They want to be understood first. And when you come out too early swinging and cause all of that sales resistance, then obviously they're going to bring those old memories. Oh, they just want my money. And that right. you, you have that feeling no matter what you buy, whether it's just a meal at a place or, or if it's a house or it's a car, it doesn't really matter. You, the, as long as you have that feeling that as a customer, you're feeling understood, then you gain confidence, then you open up transparently. And that's how the relationship, begin, relationship begins. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's right there where it is, you know, the, the connotation of sales is that like it is pushing things like that. And um, I think Part of sales is pushing people to to make uncomfortable decisions, but it's only doing that when these people are, you know, people that have that have shown you that they're that the one, they're a good fit for the product, whatever it is that you're selling. Obviously, in this case, we're talking about loan originators, maybe real estate agents. So, you know, they want to buy a home, right? Like, and they're not the experts. Like them, them not making a move today is probably not what's best for them if they're in the situation to buy a home. Now, if they're in the situation where putting them into a home is going to stretch them and then, you know, maybe in a year or two, they could go, they could go into foreclosure, then that's not ethical sales. That's not what sales is. That is being a slime ball. But, right. but, yeah. but if someone has the money, the down payment, the credit, and they're like, well, I'm going to wait till the market changes. Like we've seen, like we just talked about it. We've seen how that has affected people. And so creating urgency and things like that. When we've determined again, when we've determined that this person is the right fit for the thing that we're selling, it's our obligation to 
show them why it makes sense to do so now. Right now, if there's other things in place, you know, like I said, if, if you know, if they're not in the right situation or the, whatever, they got something that some logistics they got to do, like, you know, over pushing them into something isn't good either. But again, there's that balance of like our goal as salespeople is really just to find out, does this person have a problem? And is the solution that we provide as loan officers, originators, real estate agents, is our solution what they need? If it's not, and great, also- cool, we'll pass them along. Right. And also if you're not being, it's not being pushy, it's being what your role is. You're their advisor. By having that, you raise your authority. By not doing it, you lower your authority. You lose the respect. They may go with somebody else. Now there's options because you're not their mom you're not their dad. You're not their uncle and their cousin. Unless you actually are, but you still actually need to be able to provide them that value. Because when people, when I hire somebody I'm going to be the controlling party in that relationship until the party that I hired can demonstrate it. Whether it's a wealth manager, when my wealth manager or a real estate agent or whoever pushes back on me and they say, this is why you are wrong. And this is why you are right in eloquent ways. I got the right person. I just wanted to know I have the right person to give me the right advice. This is not my game. Now I feel good when I actually get told and put out of my place. Cause if, if you as the realtor, you as the lender, get controlled by the client, then you're going to lose authority. Then you're going to lose standard. Then they're going to feel like you're just a cog in a wheel. So I think right. it's important to be that advisor. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because like, you know, I hear all the time people are like, I'm an educator, I'm an advisor or whatever. Like, and it's like, cool. Like those are all things that are super important, right? Like those are all things that are super important, but at the end of the day, or like at the beginning of the day, whatever you want to call it, like you're a sale, I think you're a salesperson first. And then you're an advisor, then you're an educator, unless you want to educate your people. But a lot of times people are educating their prospects into not buying. They're confusing mm-hmm. their borrowers. They're, they're, they're starting to talk about things that are techno babble. They're talking about DTI and LTV and whatever, you know, other HOA and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. like just doesn't mean anything to a consumer because a consumer knows nothing about real estate. They don't know anything about mortgage. They don't know anything about this transaction unless they're like a, you know, seasoned person, but like, that's going to be a small percentage of the people that you're dealing with. Most people, you know, even if they are doing a transaction every five or seven years, they're still going to be, you know, they're not, you're doing this every single day. Like they're not, they're doing it once every five years. That's not an expert. Like they, they know the bare minimum, but uh, they don't right. know all of the things. Right. And I've been in the industry for five years plus no 10 years now, almost um, because b- between my, my pr- previous job and then doing this, and I don't even know how to read an Ellie or, or, you know, anything like that. Right. Like, I don't know how, I don't know what a loan estimate is. Like it, it confuses me. And I've been in the industry for this long. I know that the terminology, I know what you guys are talking about, but it still loses me. I think, I think in some weird way, people want to raise their standard by sounding fancy to their customers with acronyms and stuff. When in reality, the customer is not paying attention and they're zoning out and thinking, am I in the right place? Or this is going to be really difficult because I don't know what all this stuff means. So I think that's a mistake if if you're talking your language to a customer, because at the end of the day, imagine if you hired a travel agent for a beautiful family vacation, you haven't gone on vacation in a decade, and they're going to talk about saying, all right, well, the line for security is going to be about six hours. And then there's going to be some throw up that you're going to have to step over. Then you're going to get strip searched. And then you're going to have a crying baby the entire way and you're going to have somebody that's going to take up two seats but they get one and then maybe there's going to be a delay maybe there's not but ultimately we'll get you to hawaii like no we'll just say hey you're going to have a, a great vacation you want maui you want the hilton you want the right. Wyndham. like what hotel like get them to the destination and along the way there's going to be the journey 
along the way, you can use your fancy acronyms once they've made a committed person, right? Right. So, so I think that's the order you want to go in is if they want Hawaii, get them to their destination. And then there's going to be the information they need to deliver to you, whatever it's tax returns, three letter acronyms, et cetera. Right. Right. And and you need to understand if they want to go to Hawaii or not anyway, at the beginning. Right. Like that's like mm-hmm. you got to understand that first. Right. So that's the that's the big thing, too. It's like, well, maybe they didn't want to. Maybe they want to go to Tahoe. Maybe they wanted to go to Florida. Right. Like so it's like if you just start spitting out all this kind of stuff, it's like, oh, well, that's not even like, like we're three steps ahead of ourselves. Um, and that's part of what, what like, and we can, we can get into some other strategies here in a second, but I think that's, that's part of it as well is that the Socratic method. Uh, I mean, I think so many times salespeople in general, um, they, they, they like to get to the pitch. They like to get to their whatever thing. And they don't like, and we, we hear this all the time. Like the salesperson who talks the least, like whoever talks the least wins. Right. And, and that's, that's huge, especially in the first 15, 20 minutes of a conversation. You need to ask good questions and they have to be in order. And I think so many people are scared of scripts. They're scared of things like that or not scared, but like, oh, I don't want to sound like a robot. I was like, well, a script doesn't make you sound like a robot. It makes sure that you hit the points that are required to get the information that you need in order to help them make the decision that they should be making. Right. And I think mm-hmm. people are like, well, you know, a script just means I read it off the page. It's like, no, that's whatever. Call it a framework, whatever you want to call it, a script, a framework. I, I don't care. Use a, something that is going to guide you through a conversation and that, that you use every single time. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're just not going to get the same outcome every time. I agree. I mean, because the, the beginning part of the conversation is not about you. It's about them because you don't know what they want. So it's supposed to uncover and discover what it is they want to make sure you could help. Because if, so, if I ask, and I can roll over any lender or most lenders, not any. There's some people that know how to control the frame. But if I can say, hey, what's the best rate? they're going to actually give it to me. Then they're going to say, well, what do you, then I'm going to control the conversation. The real answer should be like, not a problem. Do you know what you're looking for? What would the purpose of this be for? When are you looking to get the rate? Is it going to be a a vacation home, investment home, a second home, a primary? What is, are you refining? Are you buying? Is it a referral? Is it for somebody else? So there's so many ways to just kind of find what path you're going to make the recommendation because a rate on a loan has no value to me. Yeah. You could, you could literally just go around it. It's like, okay, cool. I got rates. You know, I can, I can give you any rate you want. Like as long as you're willing to pay, pay for it, technically I can give you whatever you want. Right. You know, and that kind of throws them off because yeah, I mean, as, as lenders, you know, that there's, you know, whatever, a hundred different things that have to be, that have to right. be. I mean, think about those, you know, think about how many, yeah. Think about how many people ask you that question and then the audience and think about the answers that you give them and think about, did they ever even come back to you? Because like, I've like, they may just be trying to just, like negotiate you against somebody else just to get somebody else to go down. Right. There's, there's all types of different scenarios. As long as you know it, be willing to help them because rate shoppers are important. Even if they're just trying to use you to go somewhere else, as long as they disclose that to you and you're aware, because then you can build a long-term relationship. Cause yeah. that's what I would yeah. do. I got this rate from here. I'm shopping the rate. I'm probably going to end up going with them, but Hey, if, if your service is great, it could be the future. So I want to, and people respect that. Like as a buyer, I'll disclose if they ask. And as a seller, they'll just, they should disclose and still try to help because they can earn my business. Right. Cause I'm not exclusively well, buying stuff from one person. Well, and, 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 and to your point, it's, I don't know, man, it's, there's a, there's a lot of things that you can, can take from this conversation because I think so many times people overcomplicate a lot of this process. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not that difficult. It's just simplifying your process, simplifying your conversations, simplifying really a lot of things, right? I think people think that they need to have this elaborate sort of process. And a lot of it comes down to like, okay, like what is their problem? Can you solve the problem? 
if so, here's the solution and show them why the solution is. So like, there's, it's not that difficult. Right. Um, but people overcomplicate it. We think that like they, they, we think they care about the benefits of the thing, right. The, the, Oh, well this, you know, like you go into a car lot and it's like, Oh, well we got this, 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 and this, well, you don't even know what I want. So like, who cares about those things? Mm -hmm. Oh, this has got, this has got a, you know, it's got a V8, whatever, you know, I don't know anything about cars. So I gotta, maybe I should have used a different analogy, but, uh, you know, it's like something like that, you know, talking to me, someone talking to me, talking about the engine specs. And I'm like, I don't care. Is this safe for my family? Like, can I, can I put a car seat in the back? That's what I care about. You know what I mean? Like, so I I think that's part of the discovery process that people forget. And and a simple way to just kind of put this is out there. It's just like when I'm training somebody new in sales or when we're role-playing or rehearsing, it's just be naturally curious. Just try to be curious in every question. It's just a matter of like, Oh, so like when you looking to get a loan, what would the purpose of the loan be? Oh, that's interesting. Is it for yourself or maybe a loved one? Okay. Like you can just be super, super curious and then your empathy will ring through the phone and you'll be raising your standard as the expert by writing the, asking the right questions and caring, right? Because people, like I said before, they don't want to be sold. They want to be understood. That's the most important thing. And that's how you get, that's how you can build an empire of referrals and five-star reviews and do cool content. Like we talked about on the front end of this podcast, do a video with your clients. Hey, it's so awesome. We just closed on the loan. How excited are you guys? Cool. What's been the best part? How would you describe the process? Like you can get this energy up and now you have awesome content that lives on the internet that can be used for the next, until you quit the industry or retire or sell whatever you do, but these assets of value Think of your video content and this whole podcast as like an asset of value. Luke is going to put this on the internet. A lot of people are going to stumble upon it. People will ultimately hire Luke from this podcast. He's demonstrated he's an authority, he's an expert, he knows what he's doing. He's been in business for a long time. He knows exactly how to help you guys. Now, think about your stuff. If you put that on the internet, because I can tell you it's not a trade secret, publish everything you possibly can that you're able to you will raise your standard. You'll be the authority. People will respect you as the expert without even knowing you. And beware, you may actually become a known brand in your community, right? Beware, people may say hi at Starbucks without knowing you. That's yep. what's going to yep. happen. That's funny. You do talk on this point, and I think this is huge, but like interesting people are interested, right? Um, I was uh, I was doing a leadership training and one of the one of the sort of speakers or whatever was was talking about this concept. He's like, he's like, when have you when have you gone to a conversation where the person that's like in front of you makes you feel so heard? Right. Like, can you think in your head and like everybody's like, yeah, like for, for sure. I'm like, I can think of a couple of people. It's like, well, what was it? What was it about them that made you feel like made them feel so heard? It's like, well, they were so genuinely curious in everything. And they made it seem like I was the only person in the room, right? Like I was the only thing mm-hmm. and like nothing else was distracting them period. Right. And I think taking that same sort of mentality and, and starting to think about how can I ask better questions that aren't just questions that are leading to the sale, but are questions that are genuinely trying to get to know the person. That's the difference between those things. Cause I think I, there's those, there's that barrier right there. So many people go down this list of things they need to answer. And it sounds like they're interrogating the person. So um, just, just, I wanted to touch on that, but, but I, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, using all of the, all of these things that we just talked about, like there's so many ways that you can create content that's doesn't have to be super well published and doesn't have to be all kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we overthink that. 
Yeah. Let me just show you. Let's just give like, because content is a big thing. Uh, marketing is a big thing. Like content has been around since like the media business ever started. Right. Because we watch television, black and white to right. color to whatever it is. It's now on demand streaming. So it's always been around. It's just that we haven't been the actors, if you will, on the content. Now we are the actors. Now we get our own TV broadcast stations, our own radio stations. We now control the media. When 18, 19 year old girls are the number one blown up person on TikTok, they're like Joe Rogan's podcast is bigger than CNN. And the dude's in a room with a microphone. You have that same opportunity, but to your community, you can be a big fish in the small pond of your neighborhood, of your pocket by just popping on the phone. So like all you need, I'm just going to give some tips here because I know that we're going to be running out of time very soon here. Yeah, for sure. Number one, your phone. Number two, turn on your camera. Number three, flip to video. Number four, what's up world? I'm on the Luke podcast show, Loans on Demand. We're rocking it right now, dropping some heat. Everybody in the audience that's going to be listening to this, drop some comments. What's your biggest takeaway? Follow, like, subscribe. My man, Luke is the best. Content done, right? So I can just throw it out there. All done. That's how quick it is. If I it up, I can redo it. I hit delete and redo it. Do you know how quick that was? 30 seconds. Do you know what people want to see is 30 seconds. What you think people want to see is not 30 seconds, right? You're thinking I got to do a 10 minute, 20 minute. What if I stutter? What if I'm not scripted? It's not intended for that attention span. The algorithm favors 15 to 30 seconds. If you want to go 60, do it. Do you know how many people have goldfish brain? They can't remember where their keys are or their sunglasses. And guess what? The keys are in their pocket. The sunglasses are on their head. I've seen people on the phone saying, where's my phone? I'm like, in your left hand to your ear. That's how attention span works, right? So do it short, do it quick, do it poppy. Now, if you want to upgrade your audio, throw your AirPods in. If you want to upgrade your audio further, get the simplest mic right here. It's called the Lewinger. Super, really easy. Just go on Amazon, buy any mic. Plugs in the bottom of your phone, clip it on, make sure it's charged, but it takes like half hour to charge. Off you go with a little bit better audio. Equipment done. No more equipment needed. Just an R. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. agree. That was actually going to be one of my my next things is is talking a little bit about how to actually implement. I like to leave some sort of a tactic strategy at the end. So that's huge, man. Just just taking what you already have. I mean, we literally have supercomputers in our hands these days, right? We have like the cameras in our phones are are better than most the low end cameras that you can get at at a store. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and and it's literally, I mean, we can do 4K video, 4K uh, uh, pictures on on our cell phones for these days, right? It's crazy, and and so many people aren't leveraging that tool, and they think they need to get all this crazy equipment. I mean, both Rahul and I are in these like nice sort of like studio, nice nicely done, but no, like, that's not how it started, a, and it not how it cool. started at all. And, and and even with my fancy, I have like a Sony, and I have like shit all over that you can't see in the background. That is fancy, and guess what? Like that ring light behind me, and that that tripod. That's a fixture. That's not actually something I use. And I spent all that money on it. I literally, most of my content is on my phone while I'm on a walk. My hand's a little shaky or I just prop it up against like a bottle like this. I don't even use the tripod anymore. That's how simplified and convenient it is because when I want to do content, I want to do content. And if you look at the big influencers in your market, guess what they're doing? Not on like typically on a a professional studio. It's typically on a phone because the quality is so much superior. So like well, content it's authentic. It looks mm-hmm. authentic as well, right? I think yeah. that's the other thing too, is like business type of post, it is good to maybe have a little bit of a, not a fancier background, but like maybe a little bit more done up, things like that, or, you know, you're wearing your button up. But if you're just talking like, because you need to connect with people on a personal level as well on social media, right? People, people are attracted to people that are similar to them. So if you can also do that from a personal level, 
walking, going on a walk with your dog or whatever, we go into the park with your kids, having that conversation or posting a quick little video of you in that scenario is actually going to engender a different type of trust, right? It's just going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, this person's a family person. This person likes dogs. This person likes to go out in the, in, you know, out in the open. And so like those concepts are, are huge. Something I learned a couple of years back about like, it is actually good to use your cell phone using it like up and down, you know, because like it just feels more natural, right? More natural to what people are used to on the platform as well. Not most people don't have setups like this. They don't have you know thousands of dollars to spend on camera and lights and, and audio and all that kind of stuff. And so it is important to do that. If you were to like, let's say you wanted to go start, uh, you know, be a loan officer, be a real estate agent. Like, what would you do? Like, what would you start off with? Like, what would be the, your strategy, let's say, over the next six to 12 months? How would you do that? The first thing I would do is I would announce it to the world via social media. I'd brand all my social accounts with graphics and posts or that I do this. Then I'm going to start to educate the market to demonstrate that I'm not the new kid on the block. I'm going to talk about neighborhoods. Then I'm going to connect with principals of local schools and do a short little interview to make myself the authority from where all the adults, all the buyers, children go to. And then I'm going to post that in mom groups and in local Facebook groups. So I'm going to just use my my time and my energy. And I'll probably spend like two weeks to a month with hardcore time and energy to get my influence out there. Then I'm going to go into my my normal game. If I had zero money, I'd probably call my phone book and my sphere of influence, not to bug them, not to say, if you know anybody buying or selling, would you think of me, the desperation pitch I get from all my friends that are realtors? No, I wouldn't do that. I'd see, I would connect with them. I would talk to them. I would just say, let's grab a beer sometime soon. By the way, I've changed careers. So I would do my hardcore guerrilla marketing and reach my sphere of influence. I would probably go to... Like every, I'd probably door knock lenders instead of going to door knock realtors. I would find the number one real estate agents on the planet in my neighborhood and just introduce myself. I'd probably buy them a gift. And the gift specifically I'd buy is going to be a picture of themselves like this. They guess what? Realtors love their picture. I'd buy them a fat head. Like this is the mask. I mean, because I've actually got this in Portugal, uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo shop. But I would buy, I I would, I would buy a fat head of themselves. They cost nine dollars. Okay. Um, I did that with Jay Shetty. He's a big influence on the internet. No got way. his attention. Yeah, we connected through. I have a video of him that he sent me with the fat head. But anyways, that, that's how I get my foot in the door to build a relationship. I become the fun guy. That's my guerrilla warfare marketing. Now, if I if I needed money and I didn't have it again, I have no money and I'm the lender. I'm going to the realtor and saying, hey, man, I got a guy that like Luke who can get us a bunch of leads. It's going to be like X dollars a month. And I'm going to work every single lead. Every deal goes to you. Every deal comes to me. You want to partner up. Could you pony it up and I'll take the revenue out of my commission. And in exchange, I'm going to do all the calls. I'm going to grind. I'm going to give you end of week reports because you're the one paying for it. And I have to do it for your respect. They say, no, next realtor, next realtor, next realtor, next realtor. So I would just go where the eyeballs are. They're on the internet. And then obviously I can use other people's money for myself. But then I'm going to use my time efficiently. I'm going to bust out content. So nobody, everybody gets, I want them to annoyed with me. I want them to be like, this keeps talking about loans. And then they're going to be like, oh, this guy actually knows loans. Then they're going to go, he is the lender. So it's going to go for that evolution. You're annoying as shit because I see you every day. I'm like, oh my God, maybe he's serious about this. Oh, wow. He actually knows. Oh my God. He's the only person I can think of. And I'm going to do that in lightning speed. Boom, boom, boom. Because I know whoever's listening to this may like this content. But if I became a lender, Luke became a lender, I became a realtor, he became a lender, a realtor. 
we're going to do it and execute fast, fast and quick. Cause we know it's easy and we will yep. dominate. Right. Yep. Because I know you're not going to do it. I know most people will listen to it, love it. And then they'll get to a new year, new me, but not do it. Right. It's the way of the world. Yeah. I mean, action, action trumps everything, right. Or whatever strategy or goals or whatever you have, it doesn't matter if you don't actually do anything with them. So that that's huge mm-hmm. uh, as we are, you know, we just closed out 2022 or in 2023 now. And so it's like, this is the time, right? This is the time to, to, to go all in on everything, everything that you've, you promised yourself you're going to do, like, just do it right. Like, don't, don't talk all this big game and, and do it. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Rahul, for being here, uh, dropping so much knowledge on us. Uh, if someone wanted to kind of connect with you, learn a little bit more about you, anything that you're doing, uh, what's the best way to connect? Hit me up on either Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Those are where I'm going to be the most active. You can just look cool. up my name, uh, Rahul Aleem, and you'll be able to find me. Sweet, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. And, and I, I think, you know, what one of the biggest takeaways that I took away from today was just understanding that you know, you have to get out there. You have to put, put your work out there. You got to talk about what you do. And I think so many times people are scared to use their social medias for business, right? I think that's the, one of the biggest transitions when you haven't ever used it for business and transitioning to business. It's awkward. It's confusing. It's like, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to post. And so part of it just comes down to like getting focused and doing and going all in and putting out that content and understanding that it's okay. Like who cares? Like, yeah, it's going to be awkward at first, but you have to do it because that's really where there's so much leverage. Like you don't, you don't no longer have to go to those BNIs and things like that. You can literally use social media. If you don't want to, you can go to BNIs if you want to, but you can literally do all the networking in the world on social media. It's such a powerful tool to network at scale and to, to develop parasocial relationships. So we talked a lot about, uh, you know, marketing, generating a lot of uh, interest by, by becoming, by using videos, by, you know, putting out a lot of content and then secondarily, you know, sales, right? Like understanding that you are a salesperson first, and then you're an advisor, you're an educator, you're, you're all these other things as well, right? It's not like you're one of, or the other, you're all of those things in one, but that's not a bad thing. So uh, that, those are my big takeaways from today. Sales isn't a bad word, go sell marketing, go do a lot of marketing, go post, tell people who you are. Cause if, you could be the greatest loan officer, greatest real estate agent in the world. If you do not, if no one knows who you do, who you are and what you do, it doesn't matter. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you are looking for some help, if you do want some help on flipping the status quo on real estate agents, if you are an originator looking to grow their business with you know, marketing, go to flipthestatusquo.com, learn a little bit more about how we're helping loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents every single day. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.